1: From KQED.
0: Mic check, check one, check two. Are we here? All right, we're here right now. Ish. Brina Nunez tells stories through illustrations. Her work is largely biographic, drawing herself in a lot of her pieces. Sometimes it's in a cutesy bubbly style and other times it's in a way that's more photorealistic looking. But you can tell it's her. Mostly because she's usually got her signature Afro updo. On top of telling her own story in her comics, she also takes shots at larger social and political issues, like a recent one that spoke to the importance of voting by mail and simultaneously maintaining demands for justice. Her work has been published by The New Yorker and The Huffington Post, and she's self-published numerous pieces and zines.
1: I like to think of comics as like this mobile like museum that you have like in your pocket or like in your backpack.
0: My name is Pendarvis Harshaw. This week on Right Nowish. I'm talking to Afro-Guatemalan-Salvadorian cartoonist, Brina Nunez. We discuss art, love, and how she got so deep into telling the story of African ancestry in Central America.
1: Wanting to just learn more about African presence in El Salvador and wondering why does this one country constantly negate people who are Afro-descendant and who are trying to fight to be constitutionally recognized by the country.
0: Get some paper and a pencil. It's time to take notes. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Your focus on African influence in Central America is something I want to learn more about. Why do you choose to do that, express that in your art?
1: I think it was definitely out of seeing a deficit of Um, blackness being acknowledged in Central America and specifically in El Salvador. I'm half Salvadoran and Guatemalan. And even in Guatemala, where there's like a large black population of Garifuna people, it's an ethnic group that is very Caribbean. So they are located not just in Guatemala, but in Honduras and Nicaragua and Belize. These populations have not been discussed or like even considered to be Central American or even Latin American um, for so many years. I've been racialized as Black as a kid and for the longest time I felt like I was the only person that also had these curiosities wondering if there was ever a Black presence or an African presence in El Salvador. I'm really happy that Um, comics have kind of connected me to other people who have like, if not similar and same experiences as I had growing up and wondering, why are we being called Colombians, Brazilians, but nobody would think that we're Salvadoran or we're Central American. So using comics as a way to make people feel less alone is what I I realized at the end of the day. That's what I'm constantly doing. With my work.
0: Was there a specific point, a uh, time, something that set you off to say, you know what, I got to do something about this?
1: Yeah, I think, <laughs> now that I'm reflecting, I think it's been um, this one comic, El Mimin Piquín, this character that is drawn in in blackface. Um, he's a very popular comic book character from Mexico and throughout other parts of Latin America. He's Illustrated in ways, storylines, where I think he constantly just gets in trouble. And he's depicted as, like, a, a little boy. He is a little boy. And there's just been moments where I've even seen some of the pages where he's kind of drawn in really, like, sexually explicit, like, positions. And I'm just feeling pretty triggered and just, like, feeling... I don't know, like, a bodily, like, (laughs) biochemical reaction from seeing these images, right? It just felt so so debilitating to, like, the spirit. I cannot make comics and not center just like what it is, like, to exist as,
0: like, an Afro-descended person.
1: I want somebody with nuance, and I guess that's why I often gravitate to memoir, too.
0: I have a small child. I, you know, watch comics and illustration and cartoons all the time. Wondering from your perspective, what's the power that comes from using illustration to tell stories?
1: For me, it's like understanding cultures. This can also just be used as not only a form of entertainment but as an educational platform and tool.
0: dit qu'il y a des mecs qui vendent des cassettes sur Gandhi.
1: Persepolis has definitely been a huge inspiration for forming my philosophy when it comes to creating comics. Like I want to do it with with dignity, but also like with like a critical ethnic studies lens. I was introduced to like the Sunday funnies, like the newspapers. My grandpa always left that section like on the table for me to read. And um, I gravitated to Garfield immediately because I always, was into like talking animals and I think it was for a reason because I, I didn't see any characters that like resonated with me besides him.
0: A good lunch includes one serving from each of the four basic food groups. Pasta, cheeseburger with
1: fries, chocolate cake. I love eating food and, and as somebody that was chubby he like taught me to like love myself. My Guatemalan side of the family were also comic readers as well. They mostly read um, Donald Duck in Spanish. And my mother read Mafalda, which is a comic strip um, illustrated by this Argentinian cartoonist who, his name was Quino. And I like to say that she's the more radical version of Charlie Brown and the Peanuts comic strips. They're very, very, like, progressive.
0: I've seen your work featured in major publications as well. How would you compare the feeling between publishing your own stuff and seeing your stuff in well-known publications?
1: I have so many, like, homies and comrades to thank and to acknowledge for bringing me into that world of zines and self-publishing. And I feel like there's a lot of autonomy in that space. But it's just... (laughs) Always, like, a trip to me to know that I'm in, like, the same, like, my art is sitting in the same physical space as some of my, like, my favorite comic heroes. And I never thought that I would be in, like, a space like that at all in, like, my
0: lifetime. On the note of working with people and in your comics, I've noticed that you feature your partner in a lot of your comic strips. And I'm just wondering, I should mention that you're partner is an illustrator as well. I'm wondering what role does art, illustration, specifically, play in your relationship?
1: Yeah, we pretty much do the same thing. We make comics, and we teach as well. And we found each other through zine fests, too. So it's amazing just to be in a relationship with somebody who basically mirrors all of the dreams and aspirations you've had since childhood. He helps me to recognize my power because I tend to be overly humble to like a fault. (laughs) And he reminds me that there's, I'm doing so much more than what I think I am. He's amazing. I I speak a lot of love with him, so I apologize if I'm...
0: (laughs) No, I'm just over here like getting teary-eyed. It's like, oh, it's so sweet. But really, really, I mean, as a human, you would love to have a reflection as an artist it's a lovely situation to have that support. It's it's a working, loving relationship. So, Brina, I, I actually found out about your work through my producer, Marisol. She brought your work on because it obviously spoke to her. So, I'd actually rather her ask you this next question.
2: Hey, Brina. Marisol here. So, I love how your comics are so personal. They feel like diary entries, in that they capture these very tender moments of social awkwardness, self-love. And I would love to know, like, how do you translate something that happens in your personal life to putting pen on paper?
1: For me, it's always just like a gut feeling. There's just something about drawing out any sort of thing that happened to me um, or anything that I consider to be funny or stressful. I just need to like archive it or else like this, this idea is just going to keep buzzing in my head and I'm going to drive myself crazy. Um, It just needs to be put out as like a comic. And I think how I translate like my, (laughs) my awkwardness, um, all of these like situations, all of these like thoughts that I'm ruminating. I often think about, I guess how would Garfield the cat deliver all of these scenarios? (laughs)
0: That's tight.
2: So I'm thinking about this comic strip you recently posted, and it shows you at a podium, and you have this shirt on that says Big Boss, and the speech bubble says you are the interim president. And Lawrence, your partner, is standing behind you, and Lawrence's shirt says Keeper of Secrets. Walk us through how you got this idea. What were you thinking?
1: I think it was just a gut reaction, a feeling that I had, just about the elections. So I just thought, what if I was this president for the time being? What would I do?
0: In the comic strip, Brina is illustrating what she would demand if she were president.
1: I just want to give Black people the date, like the rest of 2020 off, because it's been like a dumpster fire, trash year and the land just needs to go back to indigenous peoples. There needs to be a pathway to citizenship. All these issues that kind of been glossed over even during the debates. And everybody deserves a potted plant because that's just been making everybody happy lately. I talked about the idea before actually drawing it with Lawrence. (laughs) And they were smiling at me like, can I just like put in a request? You don't have to do this idea, but can I be like your secret service person in the background
0: (laughs) that's support for you right there that's support not only that but can I be in there I just want to be in the background that's tight Brina thank you again I can't draw a straight line to save my life let alone tell my story or make political statements through my illustrations so thank you for your craft and for your time and while I'm sharing blessings I want to congratulate Brina and her partner Lawrence on getting married this month. Wishing you all the best and congrats again to both of you for launching the print publication, Laneha House. You all out there can find out all about their work and all that they have going on at Laneha House on Instagram. Laneha is spelled L A N E H A. Keep an eye out for their new comics and new zines all coming up in the new year. one time for the production work of Marisol, Medina Cadena, and Julie Chang. Here's to Jessica Plachik, our editor, and this week's engineer, Seal Mother. Big time thank you to all the folks who are working to spread the word about our show, our engagement team, Kiana Mogadam, Lena Blanco, Sarah Pineda, and Vita Kong. The KQED execs are Erica Aguilar, David Marcus, and Holly Kernan. Thank you to everyone who made this possible. This episode is the last one of the year. It is time to burn the 2020 calendar, and then after that, burn the ashes. We're gonna take a few weeks off for the winter recess, and then right now which we'll be back in mid-January, on the 15th to be exact. We'll return with a story that you gotta hear. It's about a black polo player from East Oakland and his affinity for boots. After that, we're gonna bring you the first in our four-part series about hip-hop musicians from the Bay Area. I'm looking forward to it. Until then, my name is Pendarvis Harshaw. Thank you all for listening to this story and all the stories we've produced this year. Y'all be well. Peace. Right nowish is a KQED production. Hey, what's up? I'm Pendarvis Harshaw, the host of KQED's Right Nowish podcast. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy, and you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So, if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org/podcast. That's donate.kqed.org/podcast.